It's time for JT the Brick. Just want to share with you quickly how gutless the media is. In general, gutless. The Washington Commanders and their failure in that organization had an effect on the Raiders. And if you look big picture, all those emails that started, everything changes. One storyline changed a 10-year contract, but that triggered one of the most massive turnovers in Raider history. JT the Brick. The Brian Flores lawsuit, where he claims the Dolphins owner Stephen Ross asked him to tank games. Where's that story today? Don't see it anywhere. The John Gruden emails. How come Gruden's emails exclusively were leaked and no one else's were leaked? And who else was on those emails? Ooh, don't want to go there, right? Who else was on those emails? Can't find that. We can find out about marching bands. What a joke. And now, here's JT the Brick. Welcome back, everybody. JT with you. Hour number two of the show. We really appreciate you coming back. We're brought to you by Resorts World, the vision of Scott Sabella for sports at Resorts World, the multi-billion dollar property with the Doghouse Saloon, the amazing theater that has Carrie Underwood, Katy Perry. Have you been there? It's incredible. The restaurants and Eight Cigar Lounge, my new go-to spot. Fantastic place to kick back and take friends and watch sports. Resorts World, my home for Monday Night Football and Doghouse Saloon. As I opened up the show, we talked about John Madden. He's honored with the cover of the 2023 video game, Madden. I think that's a really big deal. Coach Madden passed away before the end of the year. We saw the documentary on Christmas, the tribute and memorial up in Oakland, uh, the tribute at the game, which was incredible. I thought someone call in, maybe one of you younger callers out there that want to talk about the impact that the Madden video game had on your life. God knows my kids play it all the time. I don't know how much I've spent on those over the years, but my kids always got one or two of them to play, and they still play it today. So we knew this was coming. We sensed it was coming, but it happened. So that's really cool. So the Madden video cover, if you haven't seen it, it's trending. The Raiders put it out. It looks fantastic. Daniel Snyder and the commissioner, Roger Goodell, have been requested to testify in front of Congress. It's probably the biggest story today in the NFL. The House Oversight Committee invited them to testify. I assume that they're not going to come unless they're subpoenaed. They are, they are, they've been requested to testify at the congressional hearing on June 22nd. A couple of congressmen, congresswomen asked them to come. And they sent them letters, and they requested their presence at the hearing. I don't think they're going to come. They're not going to come unless they're subpoenaed. The committee has been investigating the commander's hostile workplace culture since October. And there's been some strong comments along the way, some really strong uh, comments from these congressmen and women who want them up there. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I think the heat's getting much hotter. Representative Jackie uh, Spire of California, who's a member of the Committee on Oversight and Reform, dropped a bomb. She just went after him and says she looks forward to questioning Snyder and Goodell about this cover-up and about harrowing testimony the committee heard from former employees at a roundtable in February. You see, this isn't going to go away because last June the NFL fined the commanders only $10 million as a result of its investigation by Beth Wilkerson into the franchise's workplace culture. Last October, uh, two congressmen sent a letter to Roger Goodell requesting all documents related to the investigation. The commissioner, however, said he has the full report of the investigation. It will not be released to protect 
the anonymity of the people who cooperated with the investigation. Well, that doesn't go over well with the Washington Post, and that doesn't go over well with Congress. So they'd like to follow up with all that. We have Deshaun Watson. The news there isn't good. There's another woman who's come forward that makes 24 civil complaints. 24 for someone who plans on playing football this year. Don't know how he's going to do it. And the way this is shaping up, I don't know how they're going to get him to play. And if he's not able to play, Baker Mayfield's not going to play. And Cleveland can go from potentially a playoff team to a four or five win team with Jacoby Brissett. So he's got some problems. And one of the women came forward because she watched television, real sports with Brian Gumble. After watching that feature, she decided to come out and further press the issue with the civil lawsuit. So that has a lot to do with someone watching on television and Rusty Harden, the famed attorney for Deshaun Watson, will have none of that. So that's another big headline story there. And it's June 1st, and we all know that the Raiders have a little bit of cap relief. And with a little bit of that cap relief, what are they going to do? They could pay Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller, but that might not be the priority of Dave Ziegler. He might want to do that next year or do it on his own terms. And there's the ability as players get cut uh, coming into June and get let go because of salary purposes. They're able to get rid of a player. They're able to massage the cap a certain way and cut a player. Maybe one of those players is perfect for the Raiders. NFL.com still has a couple of players left who are high profile. And according to two insiders, Dominican Sue and Odell Beckham Jr. could be fits for the Raiders. Odell Beckham Jr. just won a Super Bowl and played pretty well in it. If he didn't get hurt in that Super Bowl, he might have been the MVP. The way that game was shaping up, remember that. And Dominican Sue. I've always thought he's a good player, great player. He demands a double team. He's the type of player that not only demands a double team, breaks the double team and makes plays. And he won a Super Bowl for the famed Tom Brady, Tampa Bay Bucks. And finally, Tom Brady's playing golf a few miles from here today. His teammate will be Aaron Rodgers. That's the match on TNT. It'll be played at win, and they'll go up against Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. That'll be fun to see, and all the drones that are out there. I was there this morning for breakfast at Encore with a friend, and the place was buzzing with cameras everywhere and people just getting to the golf course. So I'm interested to see what that looks like. I'll do a little backyard brick today with a bucket of Modellos and watch that. I'll be back here on Sunday night on SiriusXM Monday on Raider Nation Radio. My next guest, Damon Bruce, joins us. 95-7 the game. He's got a great sports talk show, been a friend of us a long time. We've attended Warrior games together, and the Warriors had media day today, and they open up the NBA Finals tomorrow, Thursday, against the Boston Celtics. Damon, thanks a lot for doing this, and here we go again. You get the Warriors at home against the Celtics. Does it get any better? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. This town right now is a buzz again. I tell you, it feels like this is a year ahead of schedule based on just how the season played itself out. We watched this team sort of try to reassemble. And I say try because they never really got healthy or right until game one of the postseason this year. The first time you had Steph, Clay, and Dre have any extended time together was when the Nuggets series started and look at how far and how fast they've come. And I'll tell you right now, the buzz after reports from a scrimmage that was held at Chase Center is that Gary Payton II, Otto Porter Jr., and Andre Iguodala could all be available by the time we get to game one, if not later on in this finals. So uh, who would have ever thought that the Warriors – 
are looking possibly their healthiest of the entire year for game one of the NBA Finals. Yeah, and Damon, I didn't think it would be this easy. We talked about this, and we really thought Phoenix was the best team all year. And, you know, they train wrecked in game seven at home. That's not the Warriors' fault. And the Warriors' run, even against Denver, and looking at without playing Jot 100% when he missed the game, the Warriors even got blown out in a game in Memphis. But the road is much easier than Boston having to go through the reigning champs, these seven-game series, especially in Miami. Is that a big topic here, or throw that all out? Both teams will be rested and ready to go Thursday night. No, I don't do the other team is responsible for making sure their opponent is healthy radio. I really I don't. I mean, it, you know, I, I don't hear anybody trying to uh, give the Showtime Lakers demerits because Isaiah Thomas sprained his ankle. So it feels just like a, a modern way to look at it, just because people don't like the Warriors back on top or are looking to puncture holes. And what they don't want to admit is one of the great teams that they will ever be able to see with their own two eyes in their lifetime. I mean, you can say what you want about Boston's road here. I mean, Noah Lowry was playing on one leg as Tyler Hero was hurt. Uh, Chris Middleton didn't play at all for the Milwaukee Bucks, which greatly affects who they are and what they do. And we didn't see any of, uh, what, Harris or Ben Simmons at all for the, the Brooklyn Nets. So, you know, I think both of these teams are happy to catch the breaks that they've gotten. Like every team that has ever reached an NBA Finals has gotten along the way. Damon Bruce is our guest, 95-7 the game. So that being said, what, what intrigues you the most about this? To me, this is a matchup series. I love the matchups and the future Hall of Famers here. And I'll start with Marcus Smart, because when you're the defensive player of the year, you're great, you win the trophy, but you got to be great if you play deep in the playoffs. There's a lot of defensive players of the year that just don't make it this far. And that's the asset that Boston has. I don't think he could guard Steph exclusively, but he can help out with Clay. Let's get into some of the matchups and start with that one with Smart going up against the Warriors' backcourt. He might be the, the pivotal player for the Boston Celtics in this series, not just the fact that he does so much for them defensively. You can switch basically with their starting five. They're so balanced and versatile that Boston really has that going for them. If, if Marcus Smart turns into the Celtics' consistent third-best scorer as well, he is a, a, a big problem for Golden State. There's just no denying it. Straight up, he plays very well against Curry. Um, he is just, uh, he, you know, I, I think Steve Kerr gave him about as big of a compliment as Steve Kerr can give a defensive player. He said he's their Draymond Green. Our Draymond plays in the front court. Their Draymond plays in the back court. And if you're playing the Golden State Warriors, that's a real nice piece to have. I think he, he goes a long way in determining who is an NBA champion. Damon Bruce is our guest. I want to talk about a couple other things. Start with the defense overall of the Warriors. Everybody's in love with Boston's defense because they're long and they can pose problems, especially if the Warriors trying to keep the Warriors from the uh, front of the rim. But the Warriors' defense, and you watch every game, is pretty damn good too, and they're going to pose a lot of problems to Boston on offense. No doubt. Look, they're no slouch defensively. Boston was a clear number one. Not a distant second were the Golden State Warriors. And again, this was a Warriors team whose entire defensive resume happened without them being healthy for a singular night of the regular season. This is with Draymond Green missing 36 games, with Klay Thompson not appearing until later in the season than anyone thought, 
without seeing Gary Payton II really emerge as a contributor until the second half of the year. So, you know, I've said that in, you know, all things being equal defensively, I think you can almost pivot away from defenses win championships because both these teams play extraordinary defense. It is the Warriors' ability to score that I think is, you know, this is one of those offense wins defenses types of matchups. If both guys, if both teams are going to go out and do what I think they're going to do and switch everything and just be incredibly difficult, jumping in the passing lanes and playing straight up, not allowing wide open corner threes, which is basically been a benchmark of this entire postseason. Um, I, I think we're looking at who's going to shoot it well. I, I've been saying that the NBA playoffs are a glamorized three-point shooting contest, and we've had an awful lot of that bear out so far. And look, I, I'm not trying to disparage Boston. I, I tip my cap. They have had an outstanding year since the All-Star break on. They are well-conceived, well-executed, well-coached. All respect. They have also gotten their butts kicked in every single round, in every single series, but for the Brooklyn Nets, and they don't win often at home. You know, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I, I know Boston's got a really good on-paper defense, but I'm not seeing it happen game in, game out, a consistency that you can lean on and count on to the point where, yeah, you know, we, uh, we handle our business at home, we win a few on the road, and that's how we do it. This has been a much better road team, and I'll give them that. They're battle-tested. They survived an elimination game six in Milwaukee. They went on the road in game seven in Miami. Again, tip my cap, but if they are as good as they say they are, why are they in these situations where they're losing home games? Is it trouble with pressure? And if playing under pressure is a problem for your team, bet on the Golden State Warriors because it ain't a problem for them. Damon Bruce, as we wrap it up, 95-7 the game, the flagship of the Warriors. You don't live in a bubble, but a lot of local sports talk hosts do. And the biggest bubble I've ever seen in my life, and I penetrated it at night, was Boston. And these Boston lunatic media members, they despise Draymond. They're going to have that place all worked up. And I'm fascinated to get your perspective on Al Horford, who looks like he is Tom Brady now. He's aging in reverse. He's playing with tremendous motivation. He's a wily veteran. This is the biggest series of his life. It could make him an icon in Boston history. I mean icon. He can go up there as not one of the all-time greats, but he'll be remembered forever if he can win. Do you think he's going to try to get Draymond going, get not only Draymond in foul trouble, but get him chirping with the refs? Walk me through this rivalry and how you see that matchup. You have to try to push Draymond's buttons. It's been a successful strategy in the past, in the present, and there's no doubt that Boston's going to be wired up to do it. They were pushing Draymond's buttons in Memphis. They are going to try to push his buttons, you know, no matter where he goes. It's, it's part of the show, but he is hopefully lessons learned enough to not take the bet. Are you saying that, that Al Horford has a chance to be like, are we talking like, like I, I, I'm trying to, play on words here like Bobby Orford is that what is that what we're talking about no, I, you, look, you know what you know what I'm saying is the Garnett and Pierce had nothing right. in Boston and they won a ring and their names are in the rafters and the love fest they're having with Horford now who won a college championship and has been a pretty good player if he wins this chip I mean, I'm not saying his name's going to go in the rafters, but they're going to consider it along with some other players, young players now that are on pace to be legendary Celtics. My point is, Damon, this is a legacy play. 
the Warriors' legacies are set. They've already been a dynasty. This just adds another one to it. But if Boston can go through the Warriors, it reminds me of Cleveland and LeBron and Kyrie going through Golden State and how critical of a championship that was for Cleveland and that city. No, I mean, it's the only thing they've ever won in that city in modern times. Yeah. So, of course, it was it was critical. I th- Look, but if, if Horford is 18 and 12, I think the Boston Celtics might win this series. If he's 12 and 12, I, I like the Warriors still. I mean, I, he is a, a big difference maker. There's no doubt. I, I just don't I, – I can't imagine that the Warriors are sitting around going, Al Horford is the guy to stop. Al Horford is going to be the problem. It's Tatum. You shut Tatum down. And even though there's balance there, you make them find it. You make Brown play above his skis. You make Smart play above his skis. I'm throwing Wiggins at Tatum. I'm throwing the kitchen sink at Tatum. Um, Even though there is a a better balance than they went through in terms of Luka and Dallas or John. You know what? Here's what I really got for you. If we're looking to play a comparison point that the Warriors have been through in this postseason and look at Boston as a similar kind of team, the Warriors playing the Morantless Grizzlies Mm -hmm. are probably more indicative to how this series plays out because Morant, as talented as he is offensively, was a clear attack point for the Warriors when they had the ball. There is no clear attack point. In the Boston Celtics, they, they are that good of a unit defensively that they're going to have to outwork and outgrind the Celtics. And I've seen the Warriors do it like that, too. The thing, this is what makes this team special. They are physical. They're not just a jump shooting team. But if you want to get real fancy and finessey, if you give them the space to do that, they will take it. This, this series will be dependent on what officials you're getting on any particular yeah. night because if the Warriors have free flow of motion, if they can run unencumbered, if Steph doesn't have to go through Marcus smart, but around Marcus smart, if you're looking at the Warriors picking up offensive fouls off ball, they're in trouble. That means Boston shutting down the flow of traffic and the flow of traffic is how the Warriors have driven themselves into another finals. Last one for Damon Bruce. I, I really appreciate over the years, uh, the way you look at fan bases and from living around the country, what's the difference between the Warrior fans based in Oakland over the years, rooted in Oakland, East Bay, to the fans now that can afford to get into Chase Center and are going to have the income and the ability to get to the NBA Finals? You know, I, I think the Warriors fans were packing – uh, no matter what gym they played in from all over the Bay Area. I don't think it's like when they played in Oakland, you had a more Oakland fans in there than anywhere else. I really mm-hmm. don't. I think that that's a, a, a romantic myth that a lot of people want to attach to it. I'll tell you, you know, Friday night games against the Lakers at Oracle used to be an awful lot of fun. Uh, Friday night games out here are really fun too, man. This 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 crowd might be a little bit more late arriving. There might be a few mm-hmm. more folks on Billionaire Row who sit back <laughs> in their 16-person personal wine caves that are underneath their sections. I mean, you you got to come with me into the Red Ribbon Club at one point in time here, JT, and see what the, the setup is. If you got cash, you can live a real good life at Chase Center. Um, but I also saw 
you know, courtside seats at Oracle going for about 40 grand to pop too. So uh, there is no Groupon that gets you into the NBA's postseason in any city, in any gym. Uh, Chase Center is loud. It's full of Warriors fans. Wherever Warriors fans go, they're loud. Thank you, Damon. Good to hear from you. Best of the family. Thanks for doing this. You're the man. Anytime, brother. Thank you. Damon Bruce on the Warrior game and what the Warriors need to do. Appreciate him taking the time out for us. They're loaded, and Boston's damn good. Bobby, you've been a Boston fan your whole life. You watch this team play pretty much every chance you can. I, I, I apologize for not asking you. What is your confidence level as the road team coming off all these seven-game series? I mean, it, it's a lot of wear on the tread of the Celtics and traveling out to San Francisco. Honestly, my confidence in this team right now is pretty high. Good. To tell you the truth, if they were able to get by Giannis, I mean, that, that was going to be the challenge. If they can get by Giannis, they're on their way. Well, they got by Durant and Kyrie. They got by Giannis. And mm-hmm. They got by Jimmy Butler. Yeah. That's bad. That's such. It's more. We just talked about it. It's so much more difficult of a road than the Warriors. And I don't blame the Warriors for having an easier road. Sometimes that's the way it is. And again, as I keep making the point, that the Patriots always had an easy road, easy in the playoffs. Most of the time, there was a Joe Flacco, Ray Lewis year. There was a Peyton Manning year. But usually, it was easy. Then it got to the Super Bowl, which was daunting and hard. All those games they either lost or came down to the final venetary kick. I think the Warriors now at least have to earn it. I just want to see them pushed, pushed to the max, and I think your Celtics can do it. Oh, they're going to get pushed, especially Draymond Green. He's going to get pushed. I can absolutely guarantee that one. I would love to see a Draymond meltdown. I mean, the odds are pretty good there's going to be a Draymond meltdown. Game three, that's where you'll have your meltdown because he's going to get – He's going to get bumped and he's going to get bruised every time he goes down the court. Mm-hmm. He's You're going right. to get it from Williams. He's going to get it from Robert Williams. He's going to get it from Horford. He's going to get it from Tice. Yeah. He's going to get bumped every single time. By the time he gets to game three and he's not going to get the calls in Boston like he does over in Golden State, he's going to get a little pissed. And then yeah. he's, going to, he's going to flash out and then he's going to get a flagrant too. He's already got a flagrant. That means he'll be gone by game four. Well, you could be right on this, and I think Boston fans should really rain down hard on Draymond. Well, you know they're going to. Get Draymond out of a game would be part of my game plan. If I was Emi Adoka, I'd be saying, look, let's talk to him. Let's get him worked up. And Draymond's supposed to be much more sophisticated. He's got three rings. He's going for four. He's a former defensive player of the year. He's the big podcaster, media guy. He knows all this. What we're what we're talking about now, Bobby Draymond's mm. talking about on his own podcast. Mm-hmm. He he knows this, but uh, you're right. If if the Boston Celtics don't win Game One or Two, I don't think Game Three is going to matter at the level you think it is. If they do win Game One or Two, Boston's going to be a madhouse for Game Three. Dude, I'll tell you exactly how this is going to play out. Ready? Yep. Game One, the Celtics are going to lose by like twenty. Because that's what they did with the Bucs, yep. and that's what they did with You're the right. Heat. And the, but the good thing about it is now they've got fresh tape. So okay. now Adoka and the crew are going to go back, and they've got mm-hmm. fresh tape on Curry and on Thompson and on right. the rest of them. And they're going to sit there and gonna play it through, and they're going to figure out how they can defend these players. When they get to Game 2 in Golden State, they will win that game. You like them in Game 2? Absolutely. All right. Well, I can't wait to see this. I mean, I'll tell you right now, it's going to be Celtics in 7. It's going to be a long, hard-fought series. It's going to be a, a fantastic series. 
Well, but. It's going to be Celtics in seven. That means they're going to lose game six in Boston. Oh, yeah. And have to go win in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. Good luck with that. Well, like I told you, this thing's going to go 2 2. Then when you get to game five, it's going to be a best of three, two games over in Golden State. Hope you're right. And, and they will win with at least one. Of them. Hope you're right. It's good for radio, and we have the maximum amount of games so we can talk about it here before Raider season starts. Thanks again to Damon Bruce up in San Francisco on the Warrior flagship. Leah Hacksaw Hamilton coming up at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk to him a little bit about the NBA Finals. He's big on hockey and the NFL. I want Lee's opinion on the Raiders in the AFC West. He's always honest with me. If he doesn't like the Raiders, he'll tell us. But I'm telling you, I'm going to put him on the mat right here and ask him where he has the Raiders in the AFC West. That's next. JT, brought to you by Modelo, the fighting spirit of Jim Plunkett and Modelo. Um, you know, Chandler's been incredible, you know, since I got here. Um, he's a he's a great leader. Um, I think he's going to year 11 now. Um, he's got over 100-plus sacks. Um, so I'm constantly asking him questions. Um, the cool thing about Chandler is, like, he's one of the most humble dudes I've met. Um, he's super, you know, super humble for the things he's done. You know, he, he asks me stuff all the time, and I'm like, it throws me off because, you know, I, I look at his career, and that's something that I, I, I aspire to do, you know. Um, he, he's he's been incredible, you know, since day one, and um, he's definitely somebody I look up to. Mad Max, everything he says is incredible. Really deep thoughts about Mad Max and how humble he is. Talking about Chandler Jones, his new teammate JT, back with you as we continue on here. Thanks for listening, everybody. Go to SamAndAshLaw.com. I talked to Sam today. He's making the rounds on radio. Sam and Ash Injury Law. SamAndAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. Breaking news: A jury found Johnny Depp was defamed by his ex-wife, Amber Heard, in the Washington Post essay in which she described herself as a public figure representing domestic abuse. Uh, Heard was defamed by one of Johnny Depp's lawyers. Johnny Depp wins big. Johnny Depp and the trial just came down a short while ago, about 40 minutes ago. It's breaking the Internet. Mitch in Jersey. How are you, Mitch? Good to hear from you. Go ahead. Hello, JT. Good show. Thank you. As I believe, go see. I think they're going to win it in five. I mean, Poole is, a, is an upcoming uh, star. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of Mitch Richman. Or even just as good as Wiggins. And they have Wiggins. They have so many plays they can throw at, at Boston. I don't think it's going to be a close series. Well, I don't know how you, I don't know how you don't think it's going to be a close series after what Boston's done. Boston's got four or five really good players who are, I wouldn't say super elite, but they got Tatum. And they got Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and Al Horford, and Grant Williams. Those are some pretty good players they have there, Mitch. They're, they're a good basketball team. They beat the Nets. They beat the world champs in Giannis, and they just beat the Heat, the one seed. They're a damn good team. Well, you know, you, you know, your Warriors are pretty good. Yeah. I, there was if there was no LeBron, they'd be on the Super Dynasty. But if, I think if they yeah. win it this year, you got to call them a dynasty. I think. All right, appreciate the call. You know, they were a dynasty. They can start a new dynasty any day they want, but they have been in the playoffs the last couple of years, so they're not a current dynasty. And that's really hard as I bring in Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and we're able to talk to Lee because, Lee, let me ask you your impression. I just wrapped up a call on the Warriors. They haven't been in the playoffs and winning the last couple of years as Clay's been hurt, so they're no longer a dynasty. They won three out of five. That's in the past. Nice to chat with you, yeah. JT. I, I think there's lots of ways to look at Golden State. 
Yes, they've not been what they used to be, but what they've done is transitioned into a very, very different basketball team. Yes, the Splash Brothers are still there with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Understand there's age, understand there's pretty significant injuries those guys fought back from. But look where they are right now. I think between them they're averaging 56 points per game. And what they've done is they have now surrounded them with younger guys who run the floor and shoot. I mean, Jordan Poole has just had a breakout second half of the season and a very impressive uh, postseason for them. So they got three guys with big-time firepower, and they got bench players. I think the most amazing thing to me is that they're playing in the NBA Finals, and neither one of their number one draft picks from the last couple of years is on the floor uh, because of significant injuries. Uh, so I, I've been really impressed with the way that uh, Steve Kerr has been able to manage the adversity the last couple of years, and all of a sudden it's kind of, really come back together it's been very very impressive so i'd you know they've, they've earned this they're dangerous because they got three guys that can really stroke it and i do have draymond green's leadership and they, you know they've they've done it without andre iguodala lately uh but uh, you know not having either one of the last two number one draft picks james wiseman nor jonathan kaminga the two young studs that's pretty impressive to yeah. be in the NBA Finals with all the things I've had to come through. Excellent, Jones. How impressed are you with Boston going through you know, Durant and Kyrie in four games, but that was decided by 18 total points. They beat the reigning champs in Giannis Antetokounmpo, but there was no Middleton, and they were took to the wire with Jimmy Butler, who played as good as anybody in a seven-game series there. I think Boston's been very battle-tested, but I don't know how much energy they have after that gauntletly that they had to go through. Yeah, they've really had to grind, and they put an awful lot of reliance, obviously, on Tatum and Brown that have to have big nights. Now, they've gotten some support, you know, recently. Grant Williams has had a couple of good games. Obviously, they got some other firepower people, but you never know on a, a night-by-night basis what you're going to get from some of those bench guys. I, I think that the strange thing to me is for years and Boston stockpiled assets under Danny Ainge as general manager. And they had all these number one draft picks, and you know they had all these players that they were selecting that they thought were going to lead them back to greatness. There's only two of them there that are really doing it. Uh, you know the Kyrie Irving episode turned out to be not very good, and they've had injury issues along the way. Uh, it, it has been a, as you say, gauntlet for them to come through. But at the end of the day, the bottom line is. What Jalen Brown has done and what he can do on any given night, and what Jason Tatum does more good nights than bad, it's still a pretty good basketball team. If you're asking me to pick them, I just got to take the Splash Brothers out here on the West Coast over Boston. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton joins us. In baseball, it's the Yankees with 27, and then all the way in the rearview mirror, it's the Cardinals. We don't look at it as one team close to another in overall titles. But we do in basketball with the Lakers and the Celtics. Is there much of a story to this as the Celtics, the Lakers, in all-time wins with championships if they end up beating Golden State? Well, if they, if they beat them, it's, it's a, a phenomenal accomplishment mm. just because of the things that I just mentioned involving the two different franchises. But, you know, in, in terms of overall greatness, when you're talking Celtics in days gone by, Lakers in decades mm. gone by, you're talking dynasties, you're talking... Mm multiple, multiple, multiple of rings uh, with superstars. I don't think we can compare any of these teams uh, with, with those type of dynasties, but they're, they're, 
you know, they earned it. They got there. It's been a it's been a wild series with I mean streak shooting and forty and fifty point games and controversy and fouls and and all that. So it's been a fascinating series. I don't know that it would have picked these two teams to be in the NBA Finals, especially Golden State when this whole thing started over just because of the the age factor and the injury factor to the Splash Brothers. But, hey, they're there, they're playing, and it'll be fun to watch. But I I still think Golden State's got a little too much more firepower than just the two guys that Boston throws on the floor. Hacksaw is our guest. Lee, let's move on to the NFL and – Roger Goodell and Daniel Snyder's requested by two Congress uh, people, a woman and a man, to come up to Capitol Hill. They're not subpoenaed. I think they'll turn it down for obvious reasons, but where do you think this is going? Well, the league's got crisis. They had crisis in a lot of different places. They got a crisis in Washington with that franchise and that owner and how the league has handled the investigations. And there's three different investigations that have been you know, surrounded uh, by Daniel Snyder. Uh, You know, there were rumblings at the owners' meetings in Atlanta last week that there would be a push to maybe remove him, but they never came up with enough votes to do it. You know, I think the significant storyline is what the franchise has become. You and I both know from all the years I spent in the NFL as the voice of the Chargers and Seahawks and all the years you've covered the Raiders on their broadcast team, we know what Washington football used to be, whether it was the Redskins or the Commanders. It was 91,000 fans per game at FedEx Field were the waiting list you could not get on to get season tickets. They had the worst attendance in the NFL this past year. They're trying to get a new stadium built, and the report today is the new stadium will seat only 55,000 if it gets financed and built. Uh, That would be the smallest stadium in the NFL. And yet Daniel Snyder continues to own the franchise through all this garbage that has gone on with either he or his executives. So it's just a blight on the NFL. He is he's utterly disliked. I don't know in modern-day NFL football that I've seen an owner screw up what was such a fabulous franchise for such a long period of time as Daniel Snyder had. In terms of the oversight committee, I'm not going to say it's showboating and showmanship mm-hmm. by the politicians, but they, they don't carry any clout here. Uh, and the, league is, the league's got a credibility issue here with how they handled the documentation of the the toxic workplace probe that they conducted, not releasing any of the information. So unless there's more lawsuits coming or something else transpires, just it, it's just an utter blight on the National Football League. This guy, that ownership, the lack of success they've had. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, always a great guest, great legendary sports talk host. Lee with John Gruden, now the NFL is appealing as it could move forward to trial here in Discovery. That's a big moment for John Gruden as it wasn't dismissed. What's your take on that? Well, if, if, if you're looking at the way this thing was worded, I mean, first of all, the judge denounced the NFL's attempt to take it out of court and put it into NFL arbitration. This trial is going forward. That's item one. Second item is what John Gruden is actually suing for, which is the... the political uh, quote is tortious interference, mm-hmm. which means interference with a contract with a, um, a guy who was employed legally by the Raiders. Whether it's a good coach, bad coach, did a good job, did a lousy job, made mistakes, player personnel, developed the quarterback, whatever. Tortious interference. You can lose a bad court case with tortious interference by doing something. If he can prove this was leaked, and I'm not, not quite sure how they do that, but if he can prove it was leaked, that he's got a chance to win a big award from the National Football League. And we now know, in modern-day times, the National Football League no longer controls courts, no longer wins lawsuits. Uh, 
as witnessed by the Rams, as, as witnessed by the concussion lawsuit. League's got a problem on its hands. If Gruden's lawyers can prove this was leaked and this was leaked intentionally, and who did the leaking? Because those emails got out somehow. Somebody from the, within the inner sanctum is the one that planted those emails that led to his demise. So I, I think he's got a lot of legs to stand on. Lee, as we wrap this up, I'd like to spend the last few minutes talking about West. You know how frustrated I get and you know, being based in Las Vegas, when I see the power rankings come out by Pro Football Focus and they have the Chargers in Kansas City, no problem with, but the Chargers and Broncos ahead of the Raiders, the Raiders retained their stars and brought in Chandler Jones and Devontae Adams. Raiders knocked the Chargers out of the playoffs in contention last year, and they won the first the last four games against Denver and Vic Fangio got fired. You can understand how we're sitting in Raider Nation going, wait a second, is this honest and balanced, or is this? Just, how many times have we heard that the Chargers are ready to take that next step? This is the year of the Chargers, and they don't make the playoffs. Handicap the AFC West how you have it from top to bottom. Well, item one, let, let's be truthful. Kansas City has earned this because mm-hmm. of the dynamics of, of Patrick Mahomes, the leadership of Andy Reid, and what they've really done in terms of stockpiling that roster with talent. That being said, I do not think from a personality standpoint – Kansas City will be in the future what they've been in the past because there is no Tyreek Hill. He changed the game any time he touched the ball. I don't see a guy on the roster that can have that impact. Now, they did draft a really good, blazing fast wide receiver in maybe the third round by the name of Sky Moore from Western Michigan. I mean, he has got big-time Tyreek Hill speed, but he hadn't done it yet at the NFL level. But Kansas City's earned that recognition. The Chargers, they've been building towards this. You've got to have a quarterback, and they got a really good one. they got a really good running back. They're deep at wide receiver. They have went, gone into the marketplace, and they went and got five guys on defense who were starters other places to go with all the other young athletes they've stockpiled, and they got a madman at, at, at head coach in Brandon Staley. I, I think it would be fascinating to see if he can make this come together at a fast pace. But because of that quarterback and now what they've done, side of the football. Mm-hmm. I think the legitimate team to chase down Kansas City. In terms of Denver, they're miles away. Russell Wilson will make a difference. I agree. But I don't know that they've got enough completeness at running back and wide receiver to complement the defense that's had a lot of injuries. They'll be good. They'll bang some people along the way. In terms of the Raiders, they got Derek Carr and they got Devontae Adams. But the thing in, in Las Vegas is they just keep churning the roster every year, every year. They bring in veterans, they draft all these number one picks, and it just never seems to work out, and then you throw the injuries on top of it. I think the potential to be pretty dangerous is there for the silver and black, but until you've done it, and until you can prove that this is like the third uh, rebuilding episode that they've been in in recent years, to get rid of the bad contracts, to fix the defense, not overhaul the defense, and make more changes on offense until they actually come together as a team and prove they can do it over a 17-game schedule, I'm still kind of iffy about them. So if you're asking me long distance, I say Kansas City and San Diego fighting for one, Raiders probably fighting to be with somebody at number two. Thank you, Lee. Have a great rest of the week. Always appreciate your insight. Tell everybody about the website. I have it open in front of me, but you tell the story better. Well, we write a ton of stuff. Had the website for about 10 years. I write on it every day. Hacksaw's headlines, best 15 minutes in sports. 
Uh, I write a column every day, one man's opinion. You may agree or may disagree. doesn't matter. As long as you read it, then you'll be fully informed. But uh, i had a lot of fun doing it, and we just continue to grind on day after day after day because there's always lots to talk and write about in the world of sports. Take care, my friend. Thanks for doing this. My pleasure, JT. Be well. You got it. LeeHacksawHamilton.com. It really is a great. I prep every day, as you know. People ask me how much time I put in. Well, I'm on the air five hours a day by myself, usually. That's my prep. I got to sleep. I got a family. I have his website, about seven or eight more, and I read 10 newspapers a day. Why do I read 10 newspapers a day? It's 10 sports pages. I don't read the high school. I don't read the local swimming. I don't look at all that. I read the the columns and the writers that I like the most, including the Las Vegas Review-Journal. I love Ed Graney's writing, Vinny Bonsignor. There are writers in this market that I think are great. Atlanta Journal-Constitution, Boston Globe, L.A. Times. Takes me about an hour and a half each day, but I don't have a teleprompter. I don't have bagels and locks and people writing my show for me. And you. I, I listen to you. I text people. I had breakfast today with someone on the Warriors staff just to talk. Try to get my information that way. And I appreciate the callers who call in because I've always said this from the day I started. Some of you out there know more than me about sports in your city or something about a topic. I have no problem with that. I don't want to be the biggest know-it-all out there. I just want to do a fast-paced show and go home. 7065-9200. Passionate Raider on the flagship of the Raiders. Go ahead. What's up, JT? Hey, hey, Bobby. I, I like the Celtics too, Bobby. I've always been a little kid was a Celtics fan, but when Steph Curry came into the game, it kind of changed the whole game for me, and I just Steph became my favorite athlete of all time till this day. Um, I think it's going to be – a really tough series. I thought all through the playoffs it was going to be Boston and Golden State. I, I think Boston gives Golden State the toughest matchup throughout this whole playoff, and they've given them the toughest matchup throughout the year. So I'm going to say it's going to go seven games. Clay Thompson is going to hit the game-winning three at home. Storybook ending. Couldn't happen any other way. I don't think there's going to be a blowout any game. I, mm-hmm. I, I think the Warriors lose one at home. I think it might be game one just because Boston's the, – the, the momentum that Boston's coming in with, I, I just think they're going to get game one. And then, like Bobby said, I think it's going to be a five-game best of three. Clay Thompson hits the game winner at home. So I have it no other way. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Have a great good day. To hear, uh, good to hear an NBA call. And right now on NFL Live, they're breaking down the AFC West quarterbacks. So what did Hacksaw tell us about the AFC West and the Raiders? He basically said – the only thing I didn't agree with him is he says that the Raiders are trying to rebuild and all that. No, the Raiders won 10 games. That was more than Denver and the Chargers. So, again, Hacksaw is really knowledgeable, but the perception is, even from Hacksaw, who's super knowledgeable, that the Raiders are always building, tearing down, building, rebuilding, tearing down. Well, I don't think that's fair. They won 10 games last year. 10. They had tremendous adversity off the field. A coach resigned. They're bringing in a coach and a new GM, and they brought in better players. That doesn't sound like a rebuild to me. But Lee's a great example of someone I really respect who doesn't believe in the Raiders. Just doesn't. And the propaganda from the Chargers, Chargers bring in better players. He called Brandon Staley a madman, the coach. I call him Boy Blunder. I think an asset to the Raiders and everybody else is that Staley's the coach of the Chargers. I think his ego's out of control. I don't think he's a great coach. I think he's a good assistant, not a great coach. But one of these days, I'm going to be wrong. And the Chargers are going to get to the Super Bowl or win a Super Bowl. 
And Raider Nation is going to look around, and that's it's going to be on. But they never prove they can do it. And the Raiders have a beautiful opportunity to win in L.A. Game one is in L.A. It's a really tough spot for them. They'll be underdogs. They'll go in in front of their home fans. That will be the Raider fans. And the Raiders have to play a great game. They're not opening up against Houston, Jacksonville, a team like the Jets. Some team you go, okay, we're going to win this game, get off to a good start. They're at the Chargers. No travel, short travel, opportunity to win and open up the stadium with Arizona. Big start to the season upcoming. We were second in recruiting last year. AM was first. AM bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and like. Right? We didn't buy one player. Right? But I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. That's Nick Saban, and that was the comment the shot heard around the world. You just heard he said AM bought every player. Now he's backtracking it. So listen to this new cut from Nick Saban about all this. So he just said in that soundbite a couple of weeks ago, A&M bought every player. Listen to Nick Saban now. What evidence did you have that uh, Texas A&M bought its entire recruiting class? You know, I, I, I didn't really say that anybody did anything wrong. Well, you said they bought their recruiting class. I didn't say anybody did anything wrong, okay? And I've said everything I'm going to say about this. But, you know, I, I think that... Um, you know, I guess the point, and I should have ne never mentioned any individual institutions, I said that before, but, you know, some kind of uniform uh, name, image, and likeness, you know, standard um, that supports some kind of e equitable uh, national competition, uh, I think is really, really important in college athletics and college football. It's an incredible question by the reporter. Nick Saban said that they bought all their players. He was asked about it directly, and he wouldn't have the balls to answer the question. Nick Saban, the godfather, the king of college football. More from Saban on the boosters. And let's just forget about this. Close your eyes unless you're driving, okay? Let's imagine if this is UNLV. Imagine we're talking about UNLV football. We're not. Here's Nick Saban on what's going on with boosters going forward. You know, I also think that, you know, boosters, you know, should continue to be precluded from recruiting, including use of, you know, name, image, and likeness op offers, you know, prior to, you know, enrollment. How is UNLV supposed to compete with this? How? I mean, how can anybody compete with Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher and the sides of these schools? Incredible to me. Mac in Los Angeles. Wrap it up, Mac. What's happening? I'm doing good, JT. How you doing? Good. Thanks for calling. What's I happening? See, I see. Hey, hey, JT, I just heard Hacksaw, and I used to listen to Hacksaw back in the day. Mm -hmm. Like I used to listen to you back. But he, he'd never been a, a, a fan of the Raiders since, you know, he, uh, and mm -hmm. I'm not saying he's a homer of the Chargers anymore, but you can tell that we have no respect in this league. For, for him to say something like that. We just came out the playoffs. What what what's what 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 I'm saying about and people saying oh you you know you Raider fans are complaining. But here's the thing. If we didn't make the playoffs, I can see that. But the Chargers haven't made the playoffs. This yeah. is the Broncos and you putting all these guys in front of us every time you get Yeah, a but hold on, but hold on. To, to Hacksaw's credit, he says he said that they got Herbert and they added five starters. So at times there are teams 
that get better. They didn't make the playoffs. And look, look, as you know, Cincinnati two years ago won four games, and the year before that won two. And then they went to the Super Bowl because they got better players and they got better. That's what I was thinking he was saying, but you're right about that. They're not giving the Raiders respect for the additions that they make. No one even knows who Rocky Sin is around the league. If I interviewed 10 NFL insiders, eight of them wouldn't even know the Raiders have him. So that's what I do. My job is to make sure we put people on the radio that have different perspectives than what you're used to. If everybody came on my show and said the Raiders are going to the Super Bowl, I wouldn't enjoy that. I don't think you would either. So I put on other voices that, that I respect and have opinions that might differ yours. I call it charge of propaganda, and it's crazy. I don't think it's ever been worse than right now. I really don't. Bobby's shaking his head agreeing with me. It's like, why, why like the Chargers? Why does everybody have to like the Chargers who work in L.A.? They do. Eddie Ruiz is in for me the next dude. Harry Ruiz. How do I say that? I had Eddie on my mind here in the building. Harry Ruiz on Thursday and Friday. I'm back on Monday. Have a great week, everyone.